You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On NFL. It is officially T-minus one week, and we are very excited about this NFL draft. We have a ton of information for you, and there's a lot of things going on. Updates on players in the Indianapolis medical review. There are trades. There are issues that are going on. And a couple of quarterbacks, both past and present and future, all combine into some question marks that we are going to have to go over. We're brought to you today by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We're going to have a great conversation. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, where you can go get our draft guide and the athletic matrix, as well as RGR football. Welcome to Thursday. How are you, Jake? I'm doing great, Ryan. Glad to be here. Had a chance to very quickly skim your draft guide earlier today. Tons of of great information in there from athletic testing to productivity metrics. You've got a lot of good information in there, so worth checking out for sure. And what we don't have as fans, what nobody has in the fan world is medical information, right? But a lot of very interesting tidbits coming out from various NFL sources from the Indianapolis Medical Review. We're going to start today, as you said, Ryan, by talking about some measurables. For some very, very small wide receivers in Tutu Atwell from Louisville and Devontae Smith from Alabama. Devontae Smith measuring just a hair over six foot, which is a little bit shorter than I think most people expected and was not quite that 170 he told everybody he was at his pro day coming in at 166. Atwell, on the other hand, came in below 150 pounds. The only wide receiver to enter the NFL since 2000 below 150 pounds was a guy by the name of Brandon Banks from Kansas State back in 2010. So Atwell has his work cut out for him. And this is a tweet from Marcus Mosher, a list of all of the players, all the wide receivers coming into the NFL since 2000 who weighed 167 or fewer pounds. There's only one first round pick on the list, Ryan, and that's Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma to the Ravens just a couple of years ago. And it's interesting. You can ask the Ravens fans how they feel about that, but I will say this. These measurements today, and we have a couple other tidbits that I think are important as well, but these two in particular, I think just reinforce whatever the evaluation had been on them before, right? 170 for Devonta Smith, down to 166. Okay, you knew he was a, a skinny, not dense guy. They call him Slim Reaper for a reason, okay? So to me, I don't see this moving the needle for a lot of teams. I think it is confirmation that whatever concern you had before still exists and probably still should exist. Um, I won't say that it's something that should drop him out of the first, although Marcus's data and the track record certainly could say that. I think it's more concerning for Tutu Atwell because – it's one thing to be light and be in that 160 range, but sub 149, let me put it this way. I wrestled 168s in the third grade. That's a problem if you're going to go up against NFL competition. It's one of those things where maybe these guys can still be productive in the NFL. For every number, for every threshold that we have, that teams use, that we look at in historical data, 
there's an exception for, for just about every single one. Even Hollywood Brown, while he battled injuries as a rookie, had some very productive games, had some very dynamic plays. Some other names on this list that I recognize, J.J. Nelson from Alabama-Birmingham. He went to the Cardinals in the fifth round. And outside of that, there's just fourth, sixth, seventh round guys on this list. These guys, again, there's a path where they can be productive, but at 155, when you get hit by a guy that weighs 250 pounds, you're going to feel that a little bit more. And perhaps more comically, you're going to fly a little bit farther through the air when you get hit. I can see that happening right now. And for these two guys in particular, Devonta Smith isn't scared to go over the middle. You see him do that all the time. You see, I think you've seen Adwell go over the middle too. One of the other guys that stands on this list today is Zayvon Collins, who's going to be patrolling that middle. And now he's up to 270 pounds. That is a 120-pound difference meeting in the middle between the hashes. And that is scary for any team willing to invest a first-round pick in. And Zayvon Collins is a freak athlete too. At 170 pounds, he moves almost as well as Atwell. I'm not saying that, you know, a 270 pound Zayvon Collins is going to be able to break down on a juking 2-2 Atwell in the open field, but I'm not saying he can't. (laughs) And getting to the catch point is is any man for himself at that point, right? So that requires an uber accurate quarterback to keep those two guys out of harm's way, especially when you're doing something drags, crossers, the things that the NFL's horizontal game, I think, is becoming more emphasized, and you may have to see those guys do. So the question becomes, for these two in particular, uh, Devonta in particular, does this change your perception of where he ought to go in this draft? It shouldn't, really. But I've always thought, I've, I've always kind of thought that while the size doesn't always show up on tape, he's adept at beating the press with his feet, with creating small targets, for defensive backs, he's great at minimize, you know, the, the shoulder turn thing that, you know, scouts talk about, really good evaluators talk about where they minimize the target. They, they don't take massive hits. You see Lamar Jackson do this too, where they're agile. They have great body control. They have great awareness of what's happening around them. You don't see them take huge hits very often. And you don't see Devontae take huge hits very often. But there were times where the size shows up where a guy does get his hands on him and he gets, you know, squeezed to the sideline on a fade or a go. And there's no space for the quarterback to, to put the ball somewhere where the receiver can go get it. So it does show up to some degree, but not very often. It is something that teams will have to weigh though. And I know that teams will weigh. It's just one of those things where it's such an extreme that I don't know how you ignore it, even if it doesn't show up all that often on tape. Yeah, as long as you acknowledge that it's there and that it's a risk, okay? There are teams, there are plenty of teams. There's going to be a top 20 team that takes this guy, and I can't play them for it, and they're going to say, look at what he does with the ball in his hand. Look at all the things that you mentioned in minimizing his risk, but we acknowledge that it's there. I don't think this changes his draft stock at all. I'll be very interested to see what it does for Tutu. Um, One other note, though, that we should get in there, um, Jalen Twyman is a tier defensive lineman that I actually like out of pit. And I felt that he played a little bit light. Adding a little bit away for him up to 319 might actually do him well in the NFL, and that's something that we can get into. And doing well is the goal, whether you're somebody that's on a roster already or you're about to be a selection. We need to talk about not only one QB fields that is going to go in this draft, as well as Jalen Hurts and what's going on with him. We'll do that coming up next. 
The chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus us do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on whims like the airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice the money for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The theme of the show today, Ryan, will apparently be related to the medical screenings in Indianapolis and the various news tidbits coming out today from Albert Breer and others. For example, Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport for NFL.com reporting that teams have some concerns as Justin Fields confirms that he's been dealing with epilepsy and I don't think that this necessarily should take away from Justin Fields' draft stock or his prospects as an NFL quarterback. I don't think that's really fair to say. I think, you know, it hasn't been an issue for him at Ohio State, according to his coach, Ryan Day. He never missed a game. He takes care of himself. They're not an issue as long as he is taking that medication. But for NFL teams, certainly something that I think they need to take into account. And one question that Pelissero and Rappaport bring up is does a concussion for a guy with epilepsy increase the risk that this becomes an issue going forward? I think that's got to be the concern for everybody, whether it's concussion or, you know, a, a sub concussion velocity hit that can exacerbate other nervous system issues. It's not that I think it's calamitous. I think that there is some kind of thing that um, as disease progresses, that you could get yourself into a situation where it's not a single um, concussion, it's not a single event, but it becomes more of a chronic thing. That said, without having his medical reports, we won't know the specifics. And there are other players that have made it through this league with chronic conditions that they are able to treat medicationally and get out of the way. Uh, Jay Cutler comes to mind with his diabetes. I think some of these, again, this whole thing goes into the risk basket and you still take out your conclusion, but I think there's just a little bit more risk now in the basket to draw from. I think the team, exactly, you're right. The team picking Justin Fields is going to know that this is an issue, is going to have a plan to deal with it, and there's a lot of miscellaneous issues like Jay Cutler, a lot of sickle cell trait. You hear about it every year when your favorite team goes to to Denver and has (laughs) to play at altitude. Some guys just can't play that game. Some guys need to take special treatment. Some guys are on snap counts. And so it's with medicine being what it is, it's something that will likely be managed. He's had it since he was a kid. And according to the report, his symptoms have gotten shorter and less frequent over time. And he just doesn't have seizures as long as he takes his medication. But I have to think there are probably some teams that that could be scared off by this, right? I mean, maybe there's a tiebreaker scenario. Let's talk about the 49ers in this hypothetical. Let's say that they have 
a nine grade on Justin Fields and an 8.95 grade on Mac Jones. It's really close for them. And I'm not saying they do. I'm just picking numbers and, and picking a team here, but say it's close for them. Would something like this be a tiebreaker for an NFL team where, where they're trying to mitigate risk because a big part of the draft and Eric DaCosta talked about this recently is, you know, you got to get lucky and part of getting lucky is well, a having a lot of draft picks and B managing your risk. I agree completely. It is about managing the risk because I think in your example, specifically with the Niners, A, I don't think those grades are probably as close as that, but that's okay. You're talking about a selection that requires you to make someone a 49er that you believe can be your franchise quarterback. It isn't a temporary situation. It isn't a light investment. I think that does affect that evaluation and drop fields down in that particular case. Now, if you're talking about another team, somebody that wants to either move back up or needs a quarterback like the New England Patriots or somebody who doesn't have to put a top 10 pick into it, I think that risk kind of falls away. Now you're back to we can evaluate him as the player. And at that level of investment, I don't think it's as pertinent because you can roll with the punches without having felt like you've cost your franchise its future. We'll never really know for sure how the epilepsy diagnosis impacts Justin Fields on draft day, but we'll be able to infer. We'll be able to guess, and we're just about a week away from seeing what happens. Maybe this makes him go all the way to 12, where the Philadelphia Eagles have not committed to a starting quarterback. Apparently, Nick Sirianni, given the opportunity to declare Jalen Hurts the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback for 2020 and Howie Roseman, both the head coach and general manager declined to do so. I guess we've got a QB controversy in Philly involving Joe, Mr. Elite Flacco and Jalen Hurts. I guess we could. I don't think there's any way that that's true, but Hey, you know, (laughs) leave yourselves the get out of jail card. Right. But, Um, That competition isn't really a competition in my eyes. Maybe I'm wrong. Philly fans, shout at us if you feel the need. You can find me at Ryan Tracy NFL on Twitter. That's fine. Um, (laughs) I think it does take uh, one important step for that particular quarterback, especially if they are considering adding another for more of a true competition for the future. In that, I think it alleviates some pressure on Jalen. Being named early in the offseason, I think kind of steps you to that point where Maybe a young player like that who wasn't heralded as he should be. I I was a fan of his coming out, but clearly the league wasn't. Maybe that alleviates some of that pressure and allows him to develop at a more uh, player-friendly pace to get back on the field and and make some magic, which I think he has in him. I've put a lot of straw man arguments out there today, like the 8.95 versus 9 for Justin Fields and, and the Flacco versus Hertz QB competition in Philly. I'm just putting them out there for you to push back against them, to be clear. But I do think it's a little bit interesting that Sirianni's really leaning into this, you know, competition is my second core value is what he told media today. I'm not naming any starters without competition. Maybe that's true. Maybe that works. I wonder if the opposite of what you're speculating, relieving pressure, if this is instead adding stress to Jalen Hurts life, like, man, what do I got to do? You traded, you traded Carson, you invested in me. Why can't, what do I have to prove to you guys? You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating, obviously. I'm not inside the Eagles organization, but 
I do think that it potentially could go the other way. The other thing I, I, I mentioned is maybe Justin Fields makes it to 12 and then the Eagles draft him. I think the Eagles don't move from 6 to 12 if they have any interest in really drafting a quarterback, right? Like you're, you're removing yourself from a position where it's potentially quite easy to do so, to, to take a swing. And so, you know, part of it is acquiring draft capital, but I really do wonder if they kind of tip their hand there a little bit, you know? It, it could definitely be, but then again, there's all kinds of teams that do things like that with a plan in mind, and then something yeah. jumps in there and spoils the plan. Maybe that's the situation we're looking at. Maybe if Fields were to fall down there and he gets to 9, 10, maybe there's a like, hey, maybe we could actually put two young guys with some overlapping skill sets but some diversity in what they can do, put them head-to-head, and let's see which the best quarterback comes out for us, for Sirianni, who you know wants to get off to a, a – running start at least maybe that's a snare that they might just take advantage of that wasn't really in the plan six weeks ago a couple of quarterbacks that had to transfer before they found their way in college ending up in another qb competition they'd be no strangers to it to their credit and you know if sirianni really believes in competition i don't think there's any competition more compelling in the nfl than that quarterback competition that philly could find themselves getting into this summer. Now that would depend on Justin Fields falling a little bit in the draft. We're going to talk in a little bit about Landon Dickerson, who didn't get such a glowing medical review and how that might impact his draft stock, where NFL teams may or may not be comfortable taking a guy like him with a history of lower body injuries. And Ryan gets to lean into his experience as an exercise physiologist and strength and conditioning coach as we discuss the Landon Dickerson case study coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are going to be back in full swing. And Bet Online even covers award shows, reality TV, all kinds of stuff. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code's locked on for Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Locked On and Odyssey, is happening right now, featuring analysis from Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lockonfora, along with all of our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars for their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. There's no story in this draft class that makes me cringe more than Landon Dickerson's. As someone who looks at athletes from their athleticism up, what they're capable of doing, it's really hard. It is a shame that, and he's not alone in this class, by the way. Maybe we'll get into that as well. But Landon Dickerson is center number one. Take all his film, look at it all you want, look at everybody else. He's center number one. He's the most talented person at his position in this draft. And he might be the most fragile. And that's the problem. This is his career in a nutshell. Season-ending ACL, season-ending ankle injury, medical redshirt, ankle injury, ACL again. And I'm all for doing cartwheels behind your quarterback at pro days and all. That doesn't mean you're recovered. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to avoid serious injury in the future. There's a report out that I find a little bit interesting. <laughs> you're going to have to walk me through that one because it, it could be real. It could be far-fetched. What do you think of it? 
It's lying season, baby. We're, we're a week <laughs> away from the draft and everything you read may or may not be based in truth, but this does potentially line up with the priors for Landon Dickerson, which maybe just makes it a great lie or maybe means that this is true. So according to Tony Pauline, several teams wouldn't draft Landon Dickerson until after the fifth round. There are concerns about chronic injury. There are concerns about the ACLs, of course, because in that list of injuries, Ryan, it's, you know, one ACL, one ankle, then the other ankle, then the other ACL. And Landon Dickerson is a tough kid. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. saw him go out there for the national championship game, make sure that he got onto the field in uniform with a torn ACL. He's a tough MFer, let's say. But (laughs) I mean, at some point, and, and maybe you can speak to this with all of your knowledge about anatomy and recovery and physiology, the injuries have to be scary. And we don't have that medical report that NFL teams do. But if Pauline's report is true and and his sources weren't misleading him, some teams are very, very concerned for a guy who, you know, you talk about him being the top center in the class. I, I certainly agree with that, but he also played some, some games to tackle. He played mm-hmm. guard quite a bit in his college career. So a versatile player potentially as well. I think he actually would be just fine as a guard, but I think, you know, his, his personality and his, his brain kind of lend him to being a very, very good center. But is this really a guy that we're going to not see his name called until day three? That would kill me inside. I I actually have trouble seeing that. I agree with you. But I will say this. There are several schools of thought. One is that post-ACL, oftentimes, depending on the surgical repair and the material used, whether it's uh, an extraction from your own hamstring or, or whatever the repair it happens to be, is that you can come back stronger than that. So there's a school of thought that, okay, these ACLs, while unfortunate, aren't career-ending or debilitating in any way. Maybe it shaves a couple of seasons off of the length of his career. But given the talent, maybe that's not a concern. But there's also, I will say this, in the report, again, like you said, if it's true and those sources are accurate, if the teams got the medical report and they dropped a guy that is uh, – Yes, the best center, but like you said, he's versatile. And no offense to Elijah Vera Tucker, he could be the best guard in this draft too. Clearly a top 15 selection in terms of talent. And they actually did drop him all the way to the fifth round. That tells me that that is significant signs of not just past injury, but the potential for future injury as well. The NFL doesn't always get it right though, you know? True. So, and sometimes guys get lucky. And, and I do think that injuries are largely luck. Like if there aren't signs that there's a degenerative issue or something structurally that, you know, the surgery did not have an option for a practical repair that will ensure long-term joint flexibility or function, then perhaps, you know, that's the kind of thing that a team would drop a guy for. But, you know, you, you also see sometimes that guys with injury concerns fall to day three and then go on to prosper. And mm-hmm. so there really are two sides of the coin here. And I'll be interested to see what draft day looks like for Landon Dickerson. It only takes one team, right? But we've also seen guys where every year there's a guy that's like, man, I can't believe nobody's drafted name a player, right? You can go back to Carl Lawson going in the fourth round and now four years later gets one of the biggest edge rusher contracts on the market. A lot of that was due to his injury issues. 
right? And so if he doesn't have those injury issues in college, he's probably not a day three guy. Again, I'm not sure I see that for Landon Dickerson. I think he's going to sell a team. I think somebody's going to fall in love with him because like we've talked about, the personality is great. You can see it on Brandon Thorne's interview with him uh-huh. talking about his line play. You can get a taste of that attitude for yourself. If you didn't fall in love with the cartwheels, you get another chance. But I just, I really wonder what it's like for NFL teams to make these evaluations because as you pointed out before we started recording, Ryan, every team got the same information and they're going to interpret it differently and have their different red flags and different yellow flags and have to make a decision. And the decision point is what it comes down to. And by the way, Trench Warfare is the name of the Substack. Go check out Brandon Thorne because whether it's Landon Dickerson you're interested in or the rest of the offensive line class, it is worth the time to invest there. But I will say this too. I am one that does take into account those reports, even if I don't have the specifics of of a person's medical record. I did drop him down. And as I'm building my final board, which will be out on RogueAPC.com on Monday, um, I have him right now in that 60 to 80 range. I don't think he drops into day three. I just can't see it because I think teams are going to eventually evaluate that the upside of the injury with a third round pick is, is not anywhere close to what you could get on the field. And like you said, once you get there, it's about how you play in the league, not how you got into it. Man, if Landon Dickerson is there in the third round, that's going to be one of the guys. I do every year, I do this thing called a shadow draft, Ryan, where I, I pick a spot in the draft to pick and, and I, I draft along with the draft. I don't have a quarterback right now. I guessed wrong on Mason Rudolph and then I, I guessed wrong on <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. And then, you know, Dwayne Haskins showed some upside at the end of his, his rookie year. And I was like, all right, I have a chance here to, I could have picked Herbert or Tua last year because my random number generator within my range gave me pick number two. And I was, I was looking at it and I was like, ah, Dwayne Haskins has a chance. He could still be, you know, an average plus quarterback. I I never thought he would necessarily be great after year one, but I thought he could be good enough. And so I picked Chase Young. So I don't have a quarterback, but Landon Dickerson's a guy that if he's there in the third round, I'm probably drafting him on my, on my shadow team. Of course, I don't have the benefit of actually seeing those medical reports or having a doctor interpret them for me, but I think that he's going to make a team very happy if he can stay healthy. I think so too. And I think if you don't, it would be a mistake. I will say this. He's similar into one other player that does concern me a little bit. And that is Caleb Farley. Again, same situation. The best player at his position on a number of boards, not mine to tell you the truth, but on a number and a guy that spent uh, the opt out of 2020 with a back issue that went uncorrected. And I think that may irk some teams more than the fact that there's a re-injury with, say, Dickerson, than the fact that you had all this time to get it corrected and still had to have surgery in the pre-draft process. What's your take on where Caleb Farley falls to, and should he fall to that far? Man, I, I really don't know. The back stuff is scary, but if he's cleared, and I don't know how they could clear him already, but I guess, you know, everyone's saying he should recover fully and it shouldn't be a long-term issue. Well, then you're just talking about, well, when is he going to be ready? And the impact to his draft stock should be how many games am I missing in year one? And if, if you truly buy that, then it shouldn't be very significant, but it sure feels like it is. It, It feels like he's probably third corner, fourth corner off the board at this point. And 
Certainly not in the conversation for the first corner, but hey, like I said earlier, it only takes one team. It certainly does. I'll be interested to see who that is because I think it might be in the latter half of round one. It might even be a little bit farther than that. I don't know. I have him third on the board at this point as well, but I I will say this. Have you ever met anyone who said, hey, I slipped a disc once? Because it's never a (laughs) one-time thing in my experience. So uh, more power to him, and I hope that the the surgery has corrected him. I'm really excited to see him play in the league. I just hope that it's for a long time rather than a short stint. Rooting for all these guys, really. Yeah, you have to, right? Everybody's a long shot at this point. There's only so many that get drafted out of thousands of people that play this sport at the high school level and then at the collegiate level. Anybody who makes it deserves a medal just in getting onto a roster. So cheers to you guys. And cheers to you for listening. We're going to have Chris and Q come up tomorrow. They're going to finish out the week as we get ready for the biggest event of the offseason in the NFL, one that I particularly enjoy. And I know Jake can't wait to see that as well. We thank you for your time and listening to us. Thank you for the iTunes reviews. They always go a long way. you got to check out the ultimate mock draft that we're doing across the network. You can find that on its own feed. And you got a bonus edition in the feed of this show the other day. So please check that out. We appreciate all of your time. Hope you're ready for this draft. Thanks for listening to us today. And we'll talk to you next week.